0: After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby! Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please move in. please move and play oh, the I'm not going to say I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on man and bang Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch it here. Good checking, guys. And good play. And- It's the late stages of the second round of the National Hockey League playoffs. You know, during the the postseason, everybody gets focused on matchups and teams. But the other thing, Josh, everybody looks at streaks that are happening through the playoffs. Carolina's got one going right now for home wins. But this year may be the longest streak ever that I have seen so far, because every night I've been watching, every game I have been tuning into, every crowd in every building has been chanting, ref, you suck. (laughs) They're they're not fans. I mean,
1: I, I want to tell these guys you, you you won't have games without officials, but they they just they politely disagree. And I, I, you know what? I don't know if it's the best way to get the officials to give you the benefit of the doubt on the next one. But hey, they they're they they paid their money. They paid for those seats. They can voice their frustration.
0: They're passionate. We'll yes. give them that. Is the fans whatever? But they they are passionate in their enthusiasm. We'll say for uh, selling the refs how they feel. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. Please make sure you're following our social channels. You get Josh at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Coming up on this week's episode, a penalty reduced and a fine levied suspension. Come on, man. A new record for goal review. I don't know, but it was close. And uh, playoff hockey. Is it a kick or isn't it? Let's get to the appetizers first, I think. And so let's let's talk about fines. Brandon Hagel was the first player fined this past week. The Bulls forward picked up a three thousand seven hundred fifty dollar fine for boarding. Panthers A2, Lester Ryan. He definitely got his money's worth there. Originally given a major, it was reviewed, reduced to a minor. Josh, I honestly thought this could have been cross-checking as well. Do you get two fines for that?
1: It's it's interesting. The review, I think, hinged on the initial call on the ice. So while you could get fined for it, the interesting part is that when you've got that call on the ice, it's the initial call that matters and it's it's the initial call that gets reviewed. So it makes a huge difference on if that initial call was for boarding or for cross-checking. In Mm. this case, the cross-check, which was the call on the ice, wasn't particularly violent. And that's the standard for a major for cross-checking is the the degree of violence of the cross-check. It wasn't that bad. The proximity to the boards and what happened because of that cross-check was a lot worse. But since the call was for cross-checking, they have to review and evaluate on the merits of the cross-checking call, which is, I think, why they reduced it to a minor penalty as a boarding call that looks like a major to me and I, and I understand the fine for it player safety does not have that limitation on the penalty call on the ice. They didn't fine for cross checking they fined for boarding. So I think that supports the argument that boarding was the right call here. Maybe the cross check deserved a minor and the boarding should have been a major but with the officials in that penalty review you're tied to the initial call on the ice.
0: Interesting the. Other fine that was levied was against David Perron of the St. Louis Blues for the wicked cross-check on avalanche forward Nazem Kadri. This, of course, was necessary retribution for Kadri in the minds of some because he decided to be involved in a collision with Blues goaltender Jordan Binnington in the previous game. I I watched this a bunch of times. I was watching the game. So notice I didn't say Kadri ran Binnington, as so many have, because he didn't. Kadri and Blues defenseman Callie Rosen were both in pursuit of the puck, which was headed towards the goaltender Binnington. And it was, it actually appeared to me as more that Callie Rosen kind of ran into Kadri and then they all fell down and toppled into Jordan Bennington. So of, of course, Nazem Kadri's history gets brought up and, and all the other nonsense that went on afterwards is absolutely repugnant. And, but the, the bottom line is there's no penalty here. There should be no suspension here. There should be no fine here because Kadri was just playing his position.
1: He was, and he has every right to go for that loose puck. And he also has the onus to avoid contact with the goaltender. Rosen, really deprived him of that opportunity to avoid contact by making contact as they were both pursuing that puck and both heading directly toward Bennington. So it was unfortunate. It's unfortunate that the outcome results in an injury. I can't fault Kadri for this play. I know people want to because of his history, but you have to look at it through the lens that player safety does. Is this act itself a suspendable offense? And, and there was contact, but we'd look that the defending player was partially responsible at a minimum for this contact between Kadri and the goaltender. So I can't see this as a suspendable offense, which means regardless of his history, that doesn't factor in. This act in particular was not suspendable, uh, not even deserving of a penalty. And it was Wes McCauley and Eric Furlack calling that one. and, And I think they made the right call. Again, we're looking at an unfortunate outcome, but one where if Rosen's not there, I don't think Kadri makes contact with the goaltender.
0: And I don't think we're having any of this debate this is going to sound weird but in this case kadri was a victim oh well you know what he, he
1: was and and his by putting him in this spot by the contact that happened certainly uh, people have have come out to him and and he's been a victim of more than that with the the feedback and the threats and things like that so it's unfortunate yeah. and you don't want to hold the guy's history against him when this wasn't his fault so it's it's really a tough spot and with the whole thing you know i'm I'm surprised with with everything with David Perrin, uh, nothing for that missed flying elbow that that he attempted yes. after the goal. I, I thought for sure while there was no contact there and no outcome, the intent was clear that he was he was head hunting on Kadri. so I uh, surprised that nothing came out of that
0: that that was definitely the full chicken wing he was trying to <laughs> to give Kadri as he went past but but uh, does that maybe fall under the the guise of it's difficult to penalize or suspend or fine or whatever for intent.
1: It it is. But I think you you look at those plays and maybe maybe there was a warning, maybe there was a conversation and and maybe that's enough. But it's hard to guess intent at the same time when you see these things that happen after a whistle or, you know, when play is stopped or, or outside and away from the play, you can gauge intent a bit more than say a late hit or a hockey play gone wrong. There was, there was nothing legitimate about that. Oh, no. It would have been an illegal hit if he made contact. And it's certainly worth at least a, a conversation to tell him, hey, look, we're not doing anything this time around, but you got to
0: keep those elbows down because next time you're
1: you're getting a fine.
0: Yeah, those were nefarious intentions. Absolutely, hundred percent. Okay, let's let's talk about the Battle of Alberta because it's over now. But then we can we can also talk a little bit about uh, a, a couple of different game situations in the Battle of Alberta. It seemed to me like the mainstream media, social media, is always uh, up to the level of hysteria. But it it seems like the mainstream media is jumping in too. And I'll go back to the game where the Oilers were having their way with with Calgary. It's four nothing midway through the third. Mike Smith for some reason, decides to come out and play the puck behind the net. Milan Lucic is bearing down on him, gives him a shove into the end boards. And absolutely, it's a penalty. Everybody piles in. Penalties get handed out. By the way, did you see the announcement? It was it was just everybody else <laughs> in the penalty box gets two for roughing. I love, love that. that. <laughs> I, was, I was awful. So Lucic got five and uh, a game. And I think that was mostly to quell any further shenanigans. I I didn't know that it was even really a major penalty but if it's if it calmed things down I'm I'm okay with that but but here's where it kind of went off the rails for me. The whole questions in the media, social media and like I was like should Milan Lucic be suspended for this offense? Come on man, that that is not a suspendable offense. Yes, Lucic ran into him. He crashed heavily into the end boards. There was a scrum afterwards. He was penalized significantly. That's where it ends.
1: And that's it. And I think that's the right call. I I think you're spot on that the contact on this was probably worthy of a minor penalty. It looked like Lucic pulled up, tried to minimize contact. Now, again, we've got a guy with a reputation, which we can't hold it against him based on what the act is. We have to look at the act on its own before considering a player's history. That's what player safety goes by. So we'll, we'll go the same way. So regardless of what his history is, this was not suspension worthy. It may not have been worthy of a major, but I get going that direction because you want to protect the goalies. You need to send the message there. You need to make sure that you're illustrating that goaltenders need to be protected. They're not fair game outside the crease, which is clearly elaborated in the NHL rulebook that that is the stance. A goaltender is never fair game. So I get it. It, it probably was on the, the lower end of what would be a major, but to, to go beyond that, no, I, I think that would be crazy to hand anything else out, supplemental, even a fine, uh, not justified on that play.
0: Yes, and I I think everybody moved on pretty quickly. We'll save the goal review on the final game of the Calgary-Edmonton series right for the end, because there's a couple of other game situations I want to get into first. One of them is a goal review, and... I think it's over now, but it took place between Tampa and Florida. I don't know if it was a record. But oh, Did they decide? If, did they finally yeah, decide this I, I believe they have come to a conclusion. <laughs> it may be up for appeal now to a higher court, but I believe they have come to a conclusion because I, I think they looked at every camera angle that had replay working. I think there was even a camera angle from the International Space Station that was viewed several <laughs> times, but they did finally determine that the puck went out of play and touched the netting prior to the goal being scored. So it was rightfully overturned, which we got the call right, and that's what everybody wants. And a few people, though, freaked out about the length of time it took. So it was the right call. I'm not sure there's anything else we can do to speed up this process. This was a, a, a once-in-a-blue-moon thing that it took 10 minutes to get through, but we did get the right call, and most reviews aren't this long. They're
1: not. And and typically they don't have to be, hey, uh, puck tracking would have eliminated this review completely because right. we would just know. But I think y- you have to make that decision on do you want to get the call right? And if you want to get the call right, you're going to have to deal with the situations like this where it does take eight to ten minutes, unfortunately, to try to get the camera angle, to try to figure out what happened on the play. Arbitrarily cutting off a review at five minutes I see that it speeds things up, but if your goal is to get the call right, to make the right call on the play, then, then I think you're just going to have to deal with the one-offs or the rare occurrences when it does mm-hmm. take a little bit longer. And that's what happened here, right? We, they got the call right, like you mentioned, Todd, and I think that's, that's the important part, but holy cow,
0: <laughs> you got enough cameras in there. It maybe could have happened a little bit quicker. Now, to demonstrate that they could go through this process a little bit quicker, the teams cooperated, and there was another goal review in short order right after that in the same game. Didn't take as long, but it also turned out to be a missed penalty. Uh, That call, of course, goes away because you can't retroactively review a play and call a penalty. So, kind of take us through this one. It was a face-off situation where the Lightning won the draw and the puck wound up in the net, but they won the draw illegally.
1: That's exactly it. Anthony Sorelli on the face-off took his right hand and pushed the puck back. Now, in the past, that was a legal play. Recently, the NHL's changed the rulebook to prevent players from using a hand pass to win a face-off. It's Rule 67.2. It's a delay game face-off violation for doing that. And it was missed by the official. Some folks were complaining that the linesman didn't catch it. When you're looking straight down, dropping the puck, you're blocked literally by Sorelli's body. So you can't see what yes. his hands are doing. And this falls on one of the back officials. And it is sometimes hard to see. You're looking through legs, skates, sticks. Understandable. Clearly would have been a penalty. You can't assess that via video review. And, and I do like that the NHL has set that precedent. The standard is the penalties are called in real time. We're not calling a penalty via review. The challenge is for the missed stoppage. So while they couldn't do the penalty and they couldn't give him the two minutes that that should have been called on the play, the fact that that penalty would have stopped play does wipe out the goal.
0: That makes sense. And it all happened in fairly short order. I believe it's international uh, rules that the league is now aligned with because you couldn't win a face-off in international rules with your aunt previously as well.
1: well we're, we're dipping our toe in the water here. The The head contact for our international rules is, is far different. So we haven't, haven't made it all the way to the IIHF rulebook.
0: Yeah, true enough. Okay, there there was another game situation in the Rangers-Hurricanes game five that I wondered if a penalty should have been called. Vincent Trocek tries the wraparound on Igor Shosturkin. Alexi Lafreniere comes sliding in to try to prevent the Canes forward from tucking the puck in the net, but kind of sends the net flying and it results in a stoppage of play. There was no penalty called. I thought there could have been on this play.
1: It's possible. You you touched on it earlier in the podcast. Intent. How do we judge intent? Mm. How do we try to figure what a player's intent was on the play? And that's what it comes down to for the officials here. Was Lafreniere intentionally bumping the net off its moorings to get a stoppage? Or was he attempting to make a defensive play and had some incidental contact with the net or inadvertently collided with it to cause it to come dislodged. Typically, we see the officials err on the side of not penalizing that play unless there is clear intent. So I I get where they're coming from. But yeah, this is one of those areas where it's coming down to the judgment of the official on the best they can do to try to estimate the player's intent on this particular situation. And they felt that Lafreniere crashed into the net, but he was really trying to defend, not trying to knock it off.
0: Well, I'll go as far to say he was trying to defend. But if the net comes off while he's doing that, well, so be it. He doesn't care.
1: That, correct. And and you know what? From an intent standpoint, maybe that's sufficient. Maybe that's okay. That you're you're attempting to make a defensive play and. You know, net be damned. I'm going to try to stop this puck. Right, and
0: so be it. <laughs> it stopped one way or the other. Right. In the in the, now they're in the same game. There was another goal review that that was called back as well. It was scored by Ryan Strom. It was a review for offside, though. Um, I, in fact, I think they paused. They thought they had a decision paused, and then wait a minute. I think we want to go back and look at it again. But they again, they did get the call right. Take us through why this goal was not allowed by Ryan or to stand the one that Ryan Strom scored.
1: It was a lot closer than people think when it came to offside. An offside is determined at the moment the puck completely crosses the blue line into the attacking zone. But we also have delayed offside. So if a player's in the zone at that time, it's it's pretty common knowledge he can tag up and resume play. What happened on this situation is cops coming back to try to tag up. Strom moves the puck in while cop is still in the zone. Strom plays the puck, which then triggers our offside here because prior to that, it would have been a delayed offside. Now, cop was probably three, four feet from the blue line at the time, but when Strom enters the zone, it's treated like a delayed call until he actually touches the puck in the attacking zone. And, and that's the part where it was closer than people think because had he delayed another half second, maybe a second, the play would have been legal. And of course, it would have been very controversial because they would have been complaining yes. that Kopp was still in the zone, Strom entered the zone, he hadn't played the puck yet. But because he hadn't yet played the puck, there wasn't possession and control by the Rangers in the attacking zone. So it's, it's one of those situations where sometimes... Your knowledge of the rule is great, but it's it's such a fast moment that Strom probably didn't even cross his mind that if he just delayed a half second more, it would have been a legal zone entry. So an unfortunate one for the Rangers, but a, a closer offside than than many thought, and probably the reason that they went back to take a look, because your first look may have been when the puck crossed the line, but then you realize that we need to look at when he played the puck and it, it was clearly offside, but a, a close call for the Rangers.
0: So premature touching of the puck. Well, premature touching is a bad thing, but touching of the puck was the, uh, okay. That's, I think, I think we sort of figured that one out. All right, let's get on to the big one. Now Calgary Edmonton game five, a weird game as much of the series was we had four goals scored in 71 seconds. It was, it was quite the game to watch late in the third, Michael Backlund big shot on Mike Smith and the puck dribbles past him as so many did during that series. Charging the net is Calgary's Blake Coleman, along with Edmonton's Cody CeCe. Coleman is attempting to stop, but his left skate contacts the puck before it crosses the line. After a review, the goal is disallowed because of a distinct kicking motion. Release the hounds at this point. The rocket is ignited. It doesn't matter that the puck likely would have crossed the line without Coleman's help from his skate. But it does raise the question of consistency of calls because I've, I've seen a whole bunch of video clips now that people have been sharing, this was called a good goal during the regular season. How come it wasn't called a good goal last night? But it's it's so difficult to compare one situation to another, and unless it's the same person... I guess, in the same mood and in the same state of mind in the smelly little video room in Toronto each week. And calls could go either way. You're never going to please everyone.
1: You're you're right. I'm glad you noted that too, Todd, that this is... The smelly is, room? The, <laughs> the smelly room, sure. Uh, I, I cannot confirm nor deny the veracity of that report that the room is malodorous. But nonetheless, we will proceed with the fact that... It's the Situation Room that's making that call. And there's a retired official in there, an officiating supervisor, who's in the room to help out. But this is not made by the officials on the ice. This is coming down from Toronto. So Wes McCauley and Eric Furlatt have the headsets on. They're discussing the play. But ultimately, it's not their call when it comes to the video review. I looked at it. I initially didn't think it would be a kicked-in goal. I mean, the puck was clearly heading in. Mm -hmm. It looked like Coleman extends his skate to stop the puck. And... In the NHL rulebook, they have made tweaks over the years to refine that there's a distinct kicking motion required. And the interpretation of that has been more of propelling the puck in and using your foot to give that momentum to the puck or to, to do more than just redirect it. You're allowed to turn your skate to redirect the puck. You're allowed to shift your leg to do it. I thought it was... His foot moving as a result of contact with the goaltender, I didn't think initially that it was a kick and that he was kicking the puck in. You look at the overhead view and maybe it looks a little bit more that it's a potential kick. But to me, there, there's still enough of a gray area here, given the contact with the defender, the contact with Mike Smith. I actually thought this one was going to stand, Todd. I
0: thought, I thought we were looking at a good goal here for the Flames. Well, same thing when you see it, especially in real time. It's okay. That's uh, that's going to be allowed as a good goal. And then even as you start to break it down a little bit with slow motion replays, it looks like he's trying to stop. It looks like he's trying to stop. But as you said, depending on which angle of the replay you look at, he clearly moves his left leg forward and his left foot forward. And I don't know if that was strictly attempting to stop. I think it's a little bit like, well, if it happens to contact the puck and it goes in, so be it. Uh, I don't think he was consciously trying to wind up and kick the puck, but it was one of those, a little bit of the left side, a little bit of the right side column trying to, if it happens, oops, sorry, didn't mean it on purpose. wasn't a distinct kicking motion, but I, I think that's, it. and this is the difficult part, is everyone's going to perceive it differently and you're never going to get 100% consensus. If you get 50%, I think that's about as good as you're going to get.
1: Exactly. And these are the hard ones. and And I think That's where you're looking at the situation room to have enough confidence to overturn the goal call on the ice. The initial call on the ice was that it was a goal. So you need to feel that you have conclusive evidence to overturn that goal. And to me, it wasn't there. You know, I, I see the I see the kicking motion that we've had goals disallowed on in the past that are a lot more direct. I see possible mitigating circumstances for what was going on around Coleman. I mean, the guy's got one leg up in the air, so it's it's a bit hard to kick when your other foot is uh, is being pulled out from behind you. I, I understand where they're coming from. I, I can see the call, but uh, you know again, it's it's one of those ones that you said you're you've got so much of a gray area on these, so much of interpretation on what he was attempting to do, what he was intending to do with his foot, that these are the ones that you're going to have people unhappy,
0: no matter which way it goes. You're going to have a, a bunch of folks that are disagreeing with the call. This is one of those areas to say, hey, you know, if we had a little explanation video after the fact, that would probably help.
1: It, it would. And I know you're not going to make people happy, but at least you can make them help understand why it went the way it did. And I think we can kind of guess where it is, where his, you know, his foot moving forward. But the line that the league has shown this year on previous goal reviews, yeah, I, I thought this was going to be good. And I, I am proven wrong. in my condolences to the Calgary Flames on that one. Thanks for listening to the Scouting the Refs podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at scouting the refs on Twitter and Instagram and follow Todd at Todd Lewis sports on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe out there. Keep it clean. Watch the elbows. We'll see you back out there on the ice.